Hi, I'm Lynn Kohick, Provost and Dean of Academic Affairs at Northern Seminary in Lyle, Illinois. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Stone Chapel, a podcast to the staff and friends of the Lanier Theological Library in Houston, Texas. My name is David Capes. I'm the Senior Research Fellow at the Library and your host for this series of podcasts. Our purpose is fairly simple. We want to bring to you great conversations with leading experts from around the world on biblical, theological, historical, and archaeological themes. Well, the list goes on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Joining me today on the Stone Chapel is Dr. Lynn Coick. She is Provost and Dean of Academic Affairs at Northern Seminary in Lyle, Illinois, which was not too far from Wheaton. No, it's not. It's in what they call around here Chicagoland. Chicagoland. Chicago, the city kind of spreads out and sprawls, and so we're about a half-hour drive, I'd say, maybe. From downtown? west, yeah, from downtown Chicago. Yeah, Yeah, and you're new to Northern Seminary. We're so glad you joined us today. Well, thank you, David. It's delightful to talk with you. Now, we were were kind of bannering earlier about the fact that there was a time that you were my boss, and I was your boss, and... I ordered you around, and you ordered me around, and we sort of ignored each I other. I think, I, and and by ignoring each other, we just got along great. <laughs> that's, that's sometimes the best way to do it. It is. It's it so. is. That's our uh, our form of management. Just ignore. <laughs> just that's ignore. Right. <laughs> well, it works for some, and mm-hmm. not necessarily for everybody. But now, how long have you been at Northern Seminary? It's not been too long now, has it? No, less than a year. Uh, I started in January of this current year, twenty twenty one. So it's not been that long, but no. you have already made a big impact. Well, I yes, I'm thrilled to say that Northern Seminary has started an MA in Women's Studies that focuses on women in the Bible and their contribution in the church, um, theological reflection on women and by female theologians. So yeah, very exciting. We've also launched a Center for Women in Leadership here at Northern Seminary that does a lot with meeting the needs that women in ministry have, uh, women who are leading in churches and in their neighborhoods and in their jobs and whatever, wherever the Lord has put them, and trying to give them resources, networking, encouragement. Yeah, so I'm excited. These are great uh Great new things uh, that the Lord's doing, and you're and you're doing this, you know, in in spite of the COVID pandemic that has been kind of ravaging the world for you know, a couple of years, and you've you've managed to, to to make a big difference. Now, let's start off by by saying who you are. Who is Lynn Coick? Who is Lynn Coick? Well, yeah. if you ask my dogs, they would say <laughs> I am the best thing ever. Yes. And, you know, that's why I love dogs. That's why you love dogs, mm-hmm. too. I know mm-hmm. that, that you and Kathy— They love wife, unconditionally, right? They, they really do. There is a spiritual dimension to this, <laughs> yes. So uh, if I asked my dogs, it'd be an unconditional two thumbs up. Um, but uh, who am I? Well, Two, two paws up. Two paws up. Two there paws you go. Up. Okay, two paws up. <laughs> that's right, yes. Staying with home life, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, um, we have two grown children, both married and to delightful, uh, delightful spouses. And I'm a grandma of two grandsons. So that's believe, kind of it? our. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. And uh, and during the day, I am a New Testament professor, and then do all the administrative behind the scenes things that help 
the academic side of an institution mm. runs smoothly, more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you too have had dealing with people. It's hard to run smoothly. Oh, that's sometimes. right. And dealing with faculty, you and I are also faculty, right? So we're mm-hmm. speaking about our own tribe here. It's like herding cats. So, uh, but a lot of fun. They're very independent, aren't they? Yes. It yes. takes it takes a bit, bit of independence mm-hmm. to get a PhD. Oh, it right? does. You've got to be a free thinker to some degree, and you've got to be a hard worker. Yes. And you feel like, okay, what I've created here is a pretty big world, and yeah. I need to be lord of it. In that's a way. <laughs> <laughs> Not lord in, in the little L. The little L. That's yeah. right. Well, and we're, we're paid to think. Yeah. And we are encouraged to think new thoughts, to expand uh, knowledge. And so when you do that, you kind of put yourself out there. So there's that tension of, yes, mm-hmm. I want to I wanna be careful and correct and imaginative And also, you put yourself out there and you're kind of vulnerable, too. Mm -hmm. So um, you're going to get feedback, positive and negative. I um, just published last year a commentary on Ephesians, right? right, In the We talked about it on an earlier podcast. Yes, yes. Stone Chapel podcast. Thank you. And I really appreciated that opportunity to talk about it. And uh, the publisher sent me two reviews uh, yesterday or the day before. And one was... I think they said like recommend with caution because I was focused on the new perspective on Paul and uh, my work on the history of the first century, including the um, l- looking at the household codes and the just the hierarchy that society was at mm. that time and my conclusions about how it was important for those who have influence in society based on what society says, not to uh, lord it over others, Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. both Paul and Peter say, uh, God shows no favoritism. The book of James reiterates that, right? Um, But this person felt that maybe I was uh, maybe channeling uh, too much maybe of the modern concern of privilege. Mm. So I didn't get a good review with that. And then the other review was really positive on, on what I was doing. Them, and right? that's yeah. right. And in both cases, though, they understood my arguments. Good. They just disagreed in one case, disagreed. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, but, you know, you, you, so you got to lay out your arguments and, mm-hmm. and you hope that you foster good conversation that stays with issues and hopefully mm. equips the church. Uh, to do what the church needs to do in the world today. So anyway, so that's kind yeah. of what a New Testament prof yeah, and, <laughs> does. Yeah, and that, that's a big part of your identity, right? I mean, right. you've worked on that now for a few years. Oh, gosh, yes. And are also a president of uh, Institute for Biblical Research that's right. as well, and has their meeting coming up in November. Yes, Lord willing, excited. in your fine state of Texas. Yes, hopefully. So down in we're San down in San Antonio this year, and also Evangelical Theological Society is up uh, in, in Dallas, Dallas Fort sure. Worth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so we will see you there, down yes, in the, in the be great nice. state of Texas. Yes. Now uh, let's talk about what you have done and what Northern is doing. I don't know how much of this was sort of already in motion when you came, but uh, in terms of of women's studies, uh, you have an MA. In women's studies. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that program, who it's for, and what you think the mission of that is. Sure, sure. Well, when I think just broadly about Northern Seminary and starting um, an MA in women's studies here, I would have to say that Northern fosters 
women and scholarship in a couple of ways. And I actually came up with three ways, and they each begin with C. So right. although I'm not a pastor, I'm pretending to be I one right say, now. That's a Alliteration. Good style. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. I think there is a culture here at Northern of celebrating women's gifts and calling. And I use that word celebrating. And I also want to talk about the culture here. So women are invited to live into what God has called them to be. And for some of the women here, that's senior leadership in the church, but not all. Mm-hmm. Not all. And some women are writers of children's stories. Some women are volunteering in not-for-profit organizations right. helping the community. So we want to celebrate women's gifts and callings. This is a culture that just welcomes, not mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this from several students, how they just sense. You know, at times you can walk into a room and you and you know, I'm welcomed here. Or you might think, hmm, is this really my a space for me? Right, and at yeah. Northern, there really is this culture of celebrating women's gifts and calling. Nice. Yeah, and then we have created specific classes in the program for uh, women's studies. Uh, some required classes include... Uh, women in the Old Testament, women in the New Testament, women in the early church. We also have a theology class that talks about, uh, from a theological standpoint, male and female, right? This notion of gender and all of these things that are circulating right now. Yeah, hot button issues, right? Exactly, yes. We also have a required class on women of color in the church. Because hmm. one of the values here at Northern and expressed in all of our MAs, including this, is the need to focus intentionally on the diversity of God's church, God's world, and embrace that and include that. So in this case, we wanted to have a specific class on the contributions of women of color in the church. Um, so, And that's, we, that's it through history. That's through, Th- history. through history. That's right. Okay. That's right. Now, the, the master's, as I recall, is 54 hours altogether. That's right. And the expectation is that would it take three years, four years to complete? Depends upon the, I guess, the, the structure of it. But uh, that's right. Yeah. And how we have some flexibility here at uh, at Northern, so people can pace themselves and mm-hmm. uh, take some of the electives. And then we have some core classes that give you a, a foundational understanding in theology and church history and Old and New Testaments. Um, Some of our elective classes would include thriving in ministry, Mm. um, would include women in leadership. So we we are trying to to, uh, have women be equipped in the areas that they see the need. Um, We also will be hosting a trip to Italy, Mm. uh, two weeks, where we'll look at the contribution of women in probably like post-Constantine, so 4th century, 5th and on up through in Rome and Ravenna and Mm. elsewhere. And so we're very excited about that trip. That's very nice. Yes, yes. And we'll have an annual conference um, that will speak to a need in ministry, and students can attend that. And then with a little bit of additional work, that can count as a class. So we've arranged things such that if you'd like a certificate in women's studies, that's five classes. You can do that in a year, taking just one class that's uh, an intensive week in August, and then an evening class in the fall and in the winter and in the spring, because we're on quarter system, Mm -hmm. and then do a 
uh, trip or do the conference um, in the in the summer. So women can even get a certificate if that's where they're at. They can get a full MA if that's what they would like. You could come to Northern and get your MDiv and concentrate in women in ministry. Um, the, the, so I'm sorry, the women's se- studies MA. So there's a lot of different options there. Lots of different options, yeah. yeah. Now, and are, then, there, are, there, are there other seminaries that you know that are offering programs like this? Not in an environment that celebrates women's gifts and callings up through senior leadership in the church. There mm. are institutions that have women's programs, um, but their understanding of where uh, women best fit in ministry within the church is um, uh, different from what Northern, Northern would hold. Northern yeah. Okay. Okay. So now, we're pretty unique, I would say, in that we're and encouraging women. I know this is women. brand new. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have an expectation of how many women are out there who might join join the ranks and, and be a part of the certificate program or the, the MA in women's studies? Well, we advertise this just starting a couple months ago, right? Because this is brand new, you know. And uh, we've already exceeded our hope. We were hoping for five that would start, Mm. um, and we've already exceeded that. We've got two that are admitted, but they're going to start next year. So, yeah, I think there's a lot lot of potential for the MA degree. We are also developing a D-min, and so that's that's still in the works. Okay. Uh, so I don't have much to say about that other than uh, that should launch next fall. Keep, t- keep, keep, stay, stay tuned. tuned. Stay That's tuned. Right. right. And yeah. all this will be, people can get updated through the Northern Seminary website. Mm-hmm. We also have the Center for Women in Leadership, and that you can access through the Northern website. It also has its own website. Um, the initials are CWL. Center for Women in Leadership, Northern. So you can access that. And that's the arm that is the non-degree arm, if you will. There's a Mm. lot of women who are doing great work and they, in, in the calling that the Lord has for them and earning MA level credits just isn't necessary right at the moment. For what they want to do. For what they want to do. But webinars networking, increasing their their skills in different areas, that's what they need. That's what mm-hmm. they want. And so we, uh, we have this Center for Women in Leadership to try and foster that. And so coming in uh, January, we'll be doing monthly webinars, and, and that um, schedule will be coming out soon on the website. Uh, we have a mentoring program that we are developing. Uh, we want to work on networking. And then, of course, we'll be uh, doing this conference, and that'll be coming up mm-hmm. next August. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm trying to reach women in all walks of life at different ages and stages in their, uh, in their journey. So, um, th- so this is not just a program for somebody that's just come out of college necessarily only. That's I mean, right. You would welcome that. That's right. But somebody who's sixty years old. Oh, absolutely. Want to absolutely. And, you know, say, hey, I've got a lot of good years left, and I want to, I want to expand my my ministry, expand the work that I'm doing. Oh yes, and uh, I've there uh, several women um, that have been in programs. Some of them for continuing education credit, and some for MA credit that exactly are in their sixties now, and the Lord has given them spaces of influence and they want to step in including with their own grandkids and so yeah it this is what we want is to be a resource 
yeah. you know, in, in broad terms, we want to be a resource. Sure. Um, this, this morning, and this is, you know, just so much God's timing, I received an email from a woman. I'd love to talk with you just a little bit, read a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. because I think it captures exactly what we hope we will be as offering both an MA in Women's Studies and the Center for uh, Women in Leadership. So this woman sends me an email, and I'm not going to say her name, but yeah. greetings. I uh, hope I have the right email. I came across your name when I was looking for female theologians. I know it sounds weird, but it was an act of desperation. So she is an undergrad at a small college, huh. and she says... We only have one female professor. She studied, and that that person is not directly in her uh, major. Her major is theology. But she says it's been very hard to grow because of the absence of women. My textbooks are written to men by men, as is uh, obvious by their sole use of male pronouns and the exclusion of women from leadership examples in the Bible and church history. The same is true for the professors. They are wonderful men. But how can I aspire to be a theologian when I see no women who are involved in the academy or ministry leadership? And as I was wow. reading this, I thought to myself, wow, that, that experience is very similar to mine. Some, oh my gosh, decades ago, I don't even want to count, I can't yeah, count that not, high, David. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she asks later, and this is like a four or five paragraph email, you know, reading more and more works by women have made me wonder where these women have been my whole life. And I've actually heard that from women in mm -hmm. my classes. Why didn't I know about these women that are in the Bible and in church history? Mm -hmm. Why are their stories not taught? And so my, uh, I resonated so much with her story just starting out in undergrad. I, I recall when I was starting graduate school, so I just finished undergrad, and I went uh, straight into my Ph.D., and I was riding up on the train. I lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I went up the, up the line to Philadelphia uh, for my classes. So I'm doing my devotions early in the morning, and I'm reading a text. I think it was from 1 Corinthians. And, of course, the generic male pronouns are being used. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone, although this isn't Corinthians, but if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross, you know, that kind right. of thing. I... I I, I just remember crying, like literally with tears, saying, God, am I anywhere in this Bible? I, am I anywhere here? Because of the male pronoun, feeling to me as though it was focused on men and not on women. Well, when I, uh, one of my first classes that I took in graduate school was called Feminism and Christianity. There were about 20 women in the class, and all of them but myself and one other were self-identified as post-Christian. They didn't want to have anything to do with the church because mm -hmm. they felt the church was just a sexist organization. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. And it broke my heart because I thought they, they're rejecting the Lord who loves them beyond measure and kind of conflating Jesus with the church mm -hmm. and their experience, mm -hmm. their bad experience in the church. Although I don't think I knew it at the time, I look back on those couple of weeks of my life as really setting a direction for me, a two-pronged direction. And it's kind of reflected in, in this woman's, uh, young woman's email to me. First, I really 
want the wider world to know that God loves women Mm. and that Jesus is for them and that as much as the church, your particular experience in the church may have been horrific, and we all know stories of that, don't give up on Jesus, you know? And so part of my hope has been to create churches that are welcoming and celebrating of women. And then secondly, I wanted to find out, was the where are these women in the Bible? Yeah. You know? You sort of intuitively know they're there. They're there, yes. But their stories are sort of not highlighted. That's or right. We don't, we don't tell their stories enough. We don't tell their stories, and we don't use their stories, if we tell them, as though they model Christian behavior. They might model for women, mm-hmm. or they may be an exception, like Deborah. Well, there must not have been a man around who could leave and lead, and so you know, God yeah. just defaulted as though God... <laughs> God. Well, anyway, it says yeah. something about your view of God that sure, yeah, you know that yeah. he'd have to pick second best. So, so anyway, yeah, that they, they there's just not a sense in which there are female disciples modeling appropriate faithful behavior for both men and women hmm. in in the Bible. Um, but we often don't. The women are stylized in highly sexualized ways or only familial ways, mm-hmm. and the, and we just don't. Don't often think of them as showing us how to live. As as you were reading that email, I remember hearing, I think it was a black preacher say one time, if you can't see it, you won't be it. Oh, that's good. Which is a great that's kind good. of line. If you can't see it, and in her case, she couldn't really see Mm-mm. with the models that she had that women had a place in teaching theology. That's right. Being a theologian. So so for those who uh, in, the, in our network who are going to be listening to this, who say, wait a minute, this is going too far. Uh, or for those, well, let's let's stick with that for right sure. now. This is going too far because I've never been in a church like that. I've never, you know, seems like it flies in the face of some clear biblical teaching. How do you address that? Well, a uh, couple of ways. First, I do acknowledge, uh, as anyone, I mean, has to, the church has disagreed on various things that we also hold dear. Not all churches do communion the same way. We're all reading the same Bible. We're trying faithfully to live out how we should do this in remembrance of me, but we do it differently. Do it. Yep. And the same with church organization. You got Presbyterians, you got Congregationalists, you got Independents, you got lots of things, hierarchies. That's right. going in there. And and again, baptism. We do baptism differently, very right? differently. But we know we're supposed to, right? So mm-hmm. I recognize that when we look at certain texts that talk about how we should live faithfully and organize our communities faithfully, we're going to have differences. We always do. Mm-hmm. Where I want to shine a spotlight is when sexism is the underlying rationale for the exegesis. So, for example, if someone would say, I don't think women should lead, and they follow that with, because, as we know, women are more gullible. So that's, mm. that's actually said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's sexist, because mm-hmm. that isn't anywhere in as a blanket statement about all women for all time. And God never says, he never says that. Right. So I think we have to be careful that if we're going to try— if as we faithfully try to interpret Scripture, it's important for us not to to slide into sexism in mm-hmm. in our rationale. And sometimes that becomes the assumption 
before uh, bolt mom would say the pre-understanding our pre-understanding before we get even get to the text that's that's exactly right um, we're looking and, for that text to sort of confirm what we already hold to be true yes yes and i i have thought for a long time now that what is sometimes called or often called um, the women's issue is really a men's issue mm. because if you are understanding leadership and authority in ways where you are over others in that way, then it can be, and and you've also constructed what it means to be masculine and what are feminine traits, then often your idea of leadership can't include in any way what what we've called quote-unquote feminine traits. But when you look at how Jesus leads Mm -hmm. and what he says about leadership, that you are to serve. The the uh, first will be last, right? right? Like that is a promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other promise is or the last threat. will be it first. Be well, exactly. It could be a threat. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Make yourself first and watch. watch and what watch happens. what happens, right. yes. And so over and over again in Scripture, we see modeled a vulnerability. We see it uh, a lot in Paul's letters, uh, his own willingness to try and serve those who and and well he pours out his heart a lot in second corinthians mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. and in galatians what has happened i thought we were close we're not anymore so this relational piece uh the uh the service piece those are characteristics that we in our culture today often associate with women which means women may in, in uh, particular cases, uh, yeah. you know, really be superb leaders. Mm. Um, so that would be one other thing I would say. And then finally, I would say, look at what Paul and Jesus do. So I, oftentimes, you know, where you start predetermines where you'll end up. Yeah. And if you have a single verse, such as First Timothy chapter 2, 11 through 15 is is often that flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And you start there, but you don't reckon with the fact that Paul talked about uh, Andronicus and Junia, the husband and wife or brother-sister team who were apostles, uh, or you don't think of Phoebe, or you don't think of Prisca, who's a co-worker also of Paul, and who taught Apollos. If you are not thinking of Yodia and Syntyche from Philippians chapter 4, Paul's co-workers, these are women that he worked with, Mm. that they taught. We know they taught. Phoebe read the letter and interpreted the letter of Romans. So they they are doing these things. And, you know, I think most listening to this podcast would assume that Paul is consistent, right? And so he wouldn't, on the one hand— praise Priscilla, and on the other hand, condemn everything that she's doing right, right. and leading the house church uh, in her home along with her husband. So that's where I would that's say, kind of look at what they do. a reading, you know, mm-hmm. rather than saying, okay, let me find a verse here, more of a holistic reading of what Paul is up to because that's, and, and doing. That's right. That's right, because they would have seen, I mean, Timothy would have seen what what Paul did, mm-hmm. right? You know, he he worked alongside him, and so he worked alongside other women. So there's, you know, it'd be fun to unpack First Timothy two. We don't have time to to do that, but there are ways to unpack that that make it understandable. Both men and women there in Ephesus, because you can see it in chapter one of First Timothy, that men were also really getting uh, the gospel wrong, and Paul 
critiques them Mm -hmm. and there are ways you can critique men and encourage them to learn better but for uh women it there's a different action plan they had to put in place in part because pagans just did not have uh mechanisms to teach religious thought to women not like the synagogue paul's used to the synagogue right every week the scriptures read you've got the festivals that reinforce scripture at different times of the year, uh, Sabbath meals where there's going to be. So it's just ingrained in men and women, Jewish mm-hmm. men and women, they they grow up knowing scripture, but not these pagans, mm-hmm. who now these Gentiles who now are, have left paganism and are in the church. Well, how do you teach women? The, the, the Gentile culture didn't have the mechanisms uh, that the synagogue did. So that's why... Paul says to Timothy, they have to learn. You got you got to teach them. They anyway. So yeah. there's more going on in that. But there's that's a lot going that's on. yeah. Well, as as we kind of close out here, if anybody's interested in knowing more about what Northern is doing, both with the MA and in women's studies and the Center for Women in Leadership, what's the best way to do that? Well, I would encourage them to go to those websites uh, that that we have. Uh, check out the Northern Seminary website. They're all Which is seminary.edu. I know. We lucked out on you that You lucked one. out on it. I mean, yeah. it's not Northern Seminary, but it's seminary. Just one word, yeah. seminary.edu. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, <laughs> we offer uh, our classes in a hybrid format. So, you know, I know that the Stone Chapel is there with the phenomenal Lanier Library there <laughs> in um, the great state maybe soon-to-be country of Texas, right? <laughs> Independent uh, that's right. country, yes. Yep. Um, yeah. And no one needs to leave. If You you can take your whole MA right from, uh, right right from, from your home because we but, offer synchronous online classes. So you can be in real time with the professors, um, but you don't have to rearrange your entire life to do that. So, so that's seminary.edu. Yeah, Northern Seminary. And you know what? They can email me. Just send me an email like this. Uh, undergrad student just out of the blue emailing hmm. me and I, I've so yes that let's start a conversation well, Mark love always it. says if you send me an email I will respond and yeah, it's about 300 a day so. okay well I, I'm not in that league not even close <laughs> but, but I will uh, respond he will so, respond yeah, well, Dr. Yeah. Lynn Coek thanks for being with us today and uh, here on the Stone Chapel well thank you David it's delightful to chat with you Thanks to Brent Johnson and Janet Seifert for editing these podcasts. Thanks as well to Phil Keggy for our music. These podcasts are made possible by the generosity of Mark and Becky Lanier and the Lanier Theological Library Foundation. If you have questions, comments, or would just like to be in touch, please email us at podcast at lanierlibrary.org. Lanier is L-A-N-I-E-R. Thanks for listening.